Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Have Solutions, an AT Help Desk podcast brought to you by Neil Squire. Podcast where we talk about assistive technology, disabilities, breaking down barriers to accessibility, and more. On today's episode, we're actually going to do a solo cast and we are going to talk about some back to school apps and recommendations. Let's get started. <clears throat> I wanted to identify a group of apps that could be useful for a teacher. Um, also, if you're a teacher and you're listening, hopefully this isn't your first episode. Hopefully you'll uh, have heard an episode where I do have a guest. Um, don't hesitate to reach out to us for absolutely anything, including training for you, training for a student, uh, just a simple question answered, anything like that. Um, you can go on to our website, www.athelpdesk.org or .ca. And uh, under the contact us section, you can find our contact information and we'll be sure to get you through to the people that, that you want to talk to. So I uh, just wanted to put that message out there for any potential new teachers. Um, so let's get into some apps. So we're going to go by category here. And the first category we're going to look at is online learning. And online learning, excuse me, online learning apps have <clears throat> really grown over the past, you know, 10 years. Certainly, I remember seeing Khan Academy uh, being around for quite a while. Um, I excel as well. And those are actually the ones we're going to talk about today, uh, at least very briefly. So for our sort of top choice in online learning, at least my top choice, I've got IXL. Part of that is probably due to my personal experience using the app with my grade one child. Uh, I found it was, it was easy to use. I could very easily find what I needed uh, in terms of the subject matter and everything was laid out nicely, easy to access, etc. cetera. Um, that app, <clears throat> covers grades from kindergarten to grade 12. So you're going to cover the spectrum of grades there. Um, the, uh, the setup of the page, again, very intuitive, where you have it from the get-go listed by grade. And then within each grade, you have the list of skills and uh, they are, with IXL, fairly focused on math and English, okay? So if those are the main subject areas that you're looking at, math and English, IXL uh, is great. And if you're gonna want to get into some science, and a few more expansive subject matters. Um, Khan Academy is a good choice. So Khan Academy offers math and English, like we mentioned. Um, and then it gets into life skills as well. Science, computing, 
arts and humanities, economics. So it does expand a little bit. And it is worth noting that the subject matter and the Khan Academy app only goes to grade nine. So you've got less of a range with Khan Academy in terms of the grades covered, but more subject matter versus IXL, which has all of the grades, but a little bit less subject matter. Uh, in terms of the functionality, both of them are well designed. They're, they're easy to use. Subject matter is reasonably easy to find. Um, so in terms of the functionality of the app itself or the website itself, I would say they're both fine. They both have some accessibility features, but they're not, you know, crazy accessible. Um, but the website is, is designed so that you can use read aloud features certainly quite well and, uh, and have everything delivered to you that way. So that's what we like for uh, online learning. That's what, uh, that's what we've got for that category. Now let's move on to task management. This one's actually become my favorite type of app to use in my own daily life. Having just recently moved houses and doing, doing it solo, um, it really was very important for me to keep track of everything I had going on to not feel so stressed and to feel um, just more aligned with the tasks I had going on. So we've got in the top spot for task management, we have the Todoist app, uh, which is a great app for organization and task management in general. Uh, the app has a ton of features. It's got a search functionality, notifications. It's well designed with um, your sort of categories being collapsible on the left. So it does have that built-in organizational structure. Um, you can mark priority levels, set reminders, set certain tasks as favorites. Uh, you can delegate the tasks to other people, um, personalize the task view. Um, so changing colors, labels, themes, um, all of that. And uh, comments and file uploads are possible. You can use your email to forward tasks to people. It's got everything that you would want in that type of app. Um, there is a price associated with it. <clears throat> the beginner plan is free and you're gonna get a lot out of that beginner plan. The pro plan is $5 a month. Business plan is $8 and you'll get uh, more projects, more guests, more upload uh, space. Like the beginner plan only has five megabytes of file uploads. So that's that's not, you know, that's not even enough for a high quality picture. 
So that's pretty low for the file upload. But if you're just uploading text documents, uh, you know, or something like that, you'd be totally fine. So now let's get into the runner up, which is Microsoft to do. Uh, now, and when I say runner up, I guess really what I mean is a perfectly acceptable equivalent. Um, we've got them as honorable mentions in the article. So as I'm talking to, and you know, as I'm kind of pitching the two, you know, keep in mind that if I say it's a runner up or an honorable, honorable mention, what I really do mean is that it's a completely reasonable alternative that's going to do exactly what you need it to do. Um, and that's the case, uh, that's the case with Todoist and the Microsoft to-do app. So Microsoft to-do is Microsoft's version of that same thing. And it does do the same thing, but within the Microsoft environment. So you can organize, you can flag, markup, um, attach calendars to it. There is a lot you can do with the Microsoft version. Um, and even if you look at the, uh, the interface, they're, they're very similar. So, I mean, you, you know, you could learn one, you could learn Todoist and get good at Todoist. Not that that takes a lot, um, but then switch to Microsoft to do, and you, you basically know exactly what to do because they have the same interface and um, the same functionality. So either one of those apps is, is gonna be fine. Now, if you're someone that thinks they just don't need that app or they prefer to write that stuff down, I don't wanna say you're wrong, but you kind of are. <laughs> I, I, the, you just can't convince me that using these apps isn't an absolute best case scenario for every human being on the planet. If you have any amount of tasks or responsibility to juggle, I definitely recommend you use that. Now, this is not even to mention people with executive functioning challenges, uh, organizational challenges, anything along those lines you really, really are going to benefit from this. Um, it's just going to, and it's going to make <clears throat> your mind a more comfortable place to be. You're going to feel more ordered. You're going to feel better about your day and how it unfolds. Um, I just think it's an essential thing that not enough people use. Even, you know, my own incredibly organized mother still uses paper, pen, or, you know, a simple list on Microsoft Word or something like that. And I'm here to tell you, give Microsoft To Do a try or Todoist. Um, Microsoft To Do, I believe, is it's just free. So, uh, yeah, so that's an advantage there. You're not having to pay extra. Um, I, I think that the where Todoist does shine over Microsoft To Do is if you're using it for uh, Teams, 
based project, and I don't mean Microsoft Teams, I mean a team of individuals that you're working with, they have some better options for uh, assigning tasks and doing markup and stuff like that. And so I think <clears throat> Todoist might be a little more designed for the corporate environment uh, where Microsoft Todo is more designed just for the individual to get their own life and uh, tasks in order. Either app is going to be fine, but especially since most of the students here are using Office 365 or Microsoft 365, I think Microsoft To Do is a, is a great choice. So now we're moving on to note taking, uh, which again is something that not everyone has to use an app for or does use an app for, but I very much think that it leads to better organization, better studying, etc. So um, our top choice for that right now is one we've talked about many times before, and that is Microsoft OneNote. Um, Microsoft OneNote has a really good built-in organizational structure. It's really easy to share and sync between devices and other uh, OneNotes that you have. We have found that with OneNote, having a corporate account, uh, rather having the desktop account versus having the app version, the full version, we find that there's a little bit of a lack of consistency between those versions, which can make it a little bit tough, but most of the main functionality is consistent between the apps. But it's important to note that if you find a little bit of, if you have a little bit of frustration with, um, with that aspect of OneNote, you're not alone. It, it does, um, it does change depending on what version you're using. And that can be frustrating, especially if you're someone who, you know, struggles with technology and they really want something that's completely streamlined and it's always the same. I totally get that. So there's a little bit of, of an adjustment there. Um, the great thing about OneNote is that it works really well with some other technology that we're going to talk about in a little bit, which is OCR, um, Office Lens in particular, uh, pairs really well with it. They're both Microsoft apps, so they play well together. Um, so you can take a scan, drop it, insert it, mark it up, do whatever you need with it. Um, there's some good organizational functionality, like I said. Um, there is a search function. Uh, you can pin the pages you use the most, um, you know, sync your sticky notes, uh, send them anywhere on any device. Um, the saving, sharing, collaborating, very easy. Again, uh, integrates well with all the other Microsoft apps, OneDrive, SharePoint, etc. Uh, they all play well together. Um, 
you can do handwritten notes and markup, uh, you can draw, um, and there's a really neat mode that OneNote has. Uh, if you sketch out a shape, uh, you can hit the convert to shape button and it'll convert that hand-drawn shape into a perfectly executed shape. You know, if you're drawing a circle, it's not perfect, hit convert to shape, it'll change it to a perfect circle. Um, so a lot of really neat functionality in that app and um, we definitely recommend it to anyone that is in the Microsoft environment, which is probably most of the people listening. Um, so definitely a good choice for that. And we've been using it for years. And again, besides from the occasional growing pains, let's say, of switching between app types and just seeing, you know, the functionality kind of shift a little bit. Other than that, absolutely amazing app. Uh, and our runner-up that we have for that category is Evernote. And Evernote also has been around for a long time. It's also a fantastic app. Um, if I tried to compare Evernote to OneNote, I would say the only difference or the only reason why you'd want to use one over the other is what it's sort of connected to. And Evernote is designed to connect with a Google Calendar. So that's it. Other than that, the functionality is very much the same. Um, I would say there there is a, a pricing difference now. You can use the free version of Evernote and it's gonna be fine. Um, you won't get a lot of uploads. You can't sync to many devices, but other than that, you'll be good. Or you can unlock the personal version for $17.99 Canadian a month, uh, or the professional version $22.49 a month. And both of those will give you uh, more functionality, unlimited devices to sync to, uh, more space in monthly uploads, bigger max note size, and then customizable, excuse me, customizable dashboard and widgets and, and all that stuff to make it look prettier. Um, so again, in terms of what it does, it does the same thing as OneNote. You can import markup and uh, share text. Uh, the accessibility features are better in OneNote. OneNote has immersive reader. It has, and I, I know that Evernote has uh, speech to text functionality as well, but especially lately, Microsoft really goes above and beyond with the accessibility. Um, so if you're a user that appreciates accessible features, probably OneNote is the better choice, but Evernote is gonna to be totally fine. It's gonna to look beautiful 
and it's going to get the job done. The important thing is just that you, you know, use an app like that, you know, use a, some sort of a note taking slash organizational tool. And it's really going to improve the structure of your thoughts. I certainly wish that when I was going to high school or even university, uh, I wish there was something like that because, you know, at that time I just had to simply write everything in paper and, you know, the structure that I would choose and the layout that I would choose was probably not conducive to learning. And when you're using an app like that, it's, it's designed for that purpose. Exactly. So next we're going to move on to our math solver apps. And that's not to be confused with an app or a system like IXL or Khan Academy that's designed to teach math, although it does have some of that functionality in there. The, what we're talking about, the apps that we're talking about are designed to solve math. And so we're gonna talk about two. Our sort of top choice that we have is called PhotoMath. And it does a lot uh, it does kind of exactly what it sounds like it does, which is allow you to take photos of math and have it scanned instantly. So very interesting app. Again, if you're someone like me, who's, um, you know, who still remembers the sound of dial up internet, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't have had the advantage of having an app like this in high school or university sure wish i did but here we are um now now this is your chance to take advantage of it so basically take a picture of an equation write an equation into the app it's going to be solved for you and most importantly uh the process explained for you so the steps will actually get broken down. Um, it covers elementary math, geometry, trigonometry, algebra, calculus, stats, word problems. So an amazing tool if you struggle with map, um, with math. It's an amazing tool if you need um, new representations of math, you want to you know, have it delivered to you in a different way. It's a really great tool. Obviously, this tool doesn't replace the need for solid math instruction and theory. I don't think that's what they're trying to do. I think they're trying to be there for people that are struggling in the moment and try and provide a way for people to, you know, be able to move forward a little bit and not just deliver an answer, uh, but to actually deliver the process and, and explain that process a little bit. Um, another math uh, app in that category that we like is called Math Paper. That one is $20. And for that $20 version, uh, they'll explain the breakdown of, of the equations. Um, again, you can type it in there yourself. 
it's like I mentioned, great tool for someone with motor challenges, right? So forget about the, I'm struggling with math part of it, just in terms of uh, here's a tool where I can work out math equations without using a, a pencil or paper and I'm doing it in a kind of controlled scientific way. Uh, everything is gridded out. You've got all your operators there at hand. So it's a really convenient way to do math. It doesn't matter if you struggle with math or not. Uh, if you are in the process of learning math and maybe you simply are tired of using a pencil, definitely pick this up. Uh, it's, you know, it's a universally designed app, like, like all of the apps that we've mentioned today. Um, you know, because it doesn't matter if you have a specific disability, just the, the function of the app itself is going to be universally helpful for virtually any student, I would say. So definitely one to consider, uh, if you, or your student is struggling with math, so that's either photo math or math paper. Math paper used to be called Panther math. Uh, so you might know it as that. And um, there's, there's a ton of these apps that are hitting the market. We're just mentioning um, these ones because, you know, they've, they've been around for a minute. Um, and, uh, and so we've got the opportunity to use those. So definitely would suggest give that one a try if you know someone that's struggling with math or you yourself are struggling with math. Uh, now we're gonna move on to the final category, which is the OCR slash PDF scanner category. And our top choice for that is Microsoft Lens. And for the, you know, the same reason that we recommend some other Microsoft apps because it plays well within the Microsoft environment, but it also works very well. Uh, we've, you know, with technology like this, there are some varying experiences in terms of having it work correctly. And this is a big deal because you're trying to take inaccessible documents and turn them into accessible digitized text. So you really want to get that right. And it's hard to get that right. It's, it's very powerful technology. It's this technology has been, you know, in the works for, you know, a decade improving and all that. And, you know, I think we're finally getting to a point where this technology is getting very good. It's, um, I'm seeing much greater detection than even you know a few years ago, um, it it's doing better at managing structure. So all that to say, uh, again, if you or someone you know is struggling with either the fine motor control aspect of typing things out or copying notes, and they'd rather just snap a picture, uh, or if you need those notes read aloud. Um, so again, this technology is able to take a picture of a textbook, convert it into digital text, and then have that text be read aloud. <clears throat> so the ability to have that text be read aloud 
you know, that's really, really increasing the utility of this, right? So now you've got a large swath of individuals, a large swath of disabilities uh, that would benefit from this app. And for that reason, we tend to get a lot of questions and comments about OCR and PDF scanning apps. So Microsoft Lens, absolutely one that you should try. Uh, again, we already mentioned it in concert with OneNote. It's in the Microsoft environment. And um, really we're getting the best, we're getting the best scans out of Microsoft Lens for the most part. Uh, we've started to look, I started to look at Adobe Scan I mean, Adobe, right? That's a great name. Uh, I've tried it. It works really well as well. Um, <clears throat> but again, we are in here in New Brunswick. We're in the Microsoft environment. So let's stick with the environment we're in. You know, let's not, let's not complicate our lives, I think. So, you know, if you have the ability to choose all Microsoft apps, I think it's for the best just to keep everything squared away in our in our minds and and you know a lot of the apps are very similarly designed their interfaces their functionality their quirks are kind of the same so you you get used to uh, a way of operating and so it creates a situation where you could pick up a brand new Microsoft app you've never looked at and instantly have a pretty decent level of understanding of what's going on just by virtue of the fact that you've used other Microsoft apps uh, in the past. So definitely recommended um, way of, uh, of approaching that. Uh, another one that we've used, I've used, I've wrote about, I've recommended, Prismo Go. Really great app as well. We I also find that I get really good scans from Prismo Go. I think probably the second best results from Prismo Go, I'd say, you know, I tend to get the best from Office Lens. Prismo Go is a pretty uh, close, close second. It also has basically the same functionality. Um, so once you've shot the text, um you can select what exact text you want you can basically it's a crop feature you can crop um markup um and then and then you can have things read aloud just like with microsoft lens um you can it'll it'll detect links you can one tap go right to the links uh if there's a phone number you can call the phone number through the app um, it'll actually reveal physical addresses through Apple Maps uh, and initiate navigation to that place. Too bad it wasn't Google Maps. But <laughs> it's just cool that the functionality is there. Um, so again, great for using text-to-speech. Um, that voiceover technology is there. Um, yeah, like I said, does everything... It, it that Office Lens does or Microsoft Lens, it used to be called Office Lens, hence why I called it that. Um, they've also again 
and it's mentioned here, like these apps can even scan on curve, you know, they can scan and recognize curved text. Again, much better than they were able to even a few years ago. And obviously that's really important because a lot of times you're going to be uh, scanning a, a textbook where some part of that textbook is going, you know, the spine is going to be, there's going to be a curved section there. So um, great to see that they have that functionality. Um, and I would say Prismo Go, if you have an iOS device, uh, an iPad, Prismo Go, boom, that's your choice. It also, <clears throat> there's also a universal clipboard, so it'll copy to your Mac. So if you're in the iOS, the Mac environment, go with Prismo Go because it's going to play really well with those other apps. If you're in the Microsoft environment, which if you're hearing my voice, there's a good chance that you are, Microsoft Lens uh, is the one that I would recommend. So those are actually our five categories of apps for back to school that we wanted to cover this week. So uh, online learning, we have IXL in the top spot for task management. We have Todoist or Microsoft To-Do, um, really equal on that one. Note taking, probably OneNote. Math, we've got photo math in the top spot. And then for OCR and PDF scanner, Microsoft Lens. So um, th that is a lot. Uh, to remember. So again, if you have any questions about any of these apps or if you want training on apps, uh, we also do one pagers and training materials by request. So if you're really excited about a new app, but you're having some trouble kind of mapping it out, uh, we can help you do that. So again, don't hesitate to contact us if you want to learn more about these apps. Uh, we'll also be releasing an e-bulletin uh, where we'll get the written version or the text version of these apps with links to their respective websites. So if you're interested, watch our website. That article is going to be hitting it soon and we'll be able to um, give you more information from there. So I, in addition to wanting to cover back to school apps, uh, I thought it might be fun to go over some tech tips, best practices, and just general uh, tips for navigating the world of technology as you or your students get back to school. So let's take a look here. I, I went I went on a couple. I looked through a couple different sources, and I'm kind of I'm kind of choosing some of my favorite ones here. So one that I saw was keep track of your mobile devices. Uh, there are apps that you can use. Find my iPhone. There's got to be a, and there's a Samsung version of it as well. I think it's just called Find My Phone or something along those lines. Uh, make sure those are enabled. Make sure that you can trace and track your device if it gets lost. 
Um, it's also important to brush up on your security on those mobile devices. We're seeing a lot more scamming and uh, phishing these days. I really feel like I constantly hear tales of phishing and scamming. And uh, hey, you might want to know what's the difference between the two? Well, I'll tell you since you asked. Uh, so phishing is where a hacker or a scammer uses little bits of information that you kind of leave out there and they just get they just get in. They use that piece of information to unlock one pathway or reset one password and then it all cascades from there. Um, so it's really important that we protect ourselves from phishing attempts and we make our passwords unique our username and our email and all that you know needs we want to make that unique and just just don't tell everyone your password and your business and your personal account try and try and keep somewhat of a low profile um you know it, it goes without saying but you still see it doing something like putting your phone number on reddit or on Facebook or something like that. Putting your phone number out there is huge because two-factor authentication is typically um, authenticated through your personal phone. So if you lose that or you put that out there and hackers have that information, you're gonna make their life so much easier, right? And that's opposed to a scammer where they'll just call you out of the blue and say, uh, hey, Nana, you know, John's been in a car accident and he's going to trial and he needs $5,000 for bail and you have to send it to me now or else we're going to keep him for the weekend. Things like that. Uh, that's happening all the time. You probably know someone that's fallen prey to that. So, you know, all you can do is just be naturally suspicious of anyone that calls you in any kind of scenario like that. Always verify their story or verify what they need. So if they're saying, oh, you need to send this and it's someone you're talking to over the phone, you know, make them verify that information two or three times over. And I mean, definitely it goes without saying, and this is maybe beyond the scope of this podcast, but please don't send money to people that call you out of the blue asking for money because I personally know someone that fell prey to this scam and <clears throat> they would have lost thousands of dollars, but thankfully their bank recognized the scammer and it never fully sent. So... That's just a, a little little sidebar on security. And, um, you know, don't share your passwords. Ideally have different passwords for different devices. I know that makes it hard to remember. And then what do you do? C 
create a Word doc with all your passwords? No, you really shouldn't do that. There are third-party apps that can hold your passwords, but there's there's no real easy answer. You just you have to be diligent though. Keep those passwords hidden, keep them updated, and try and make sure that one password isn't going to unlock your entire life. Um, so um, <clears throat> another thing I'll say too is just pay attention and really vet what you read online. Facebook has made some changes uh, to prevent that kind of thing from happening, but just be, you know, scrutinize your sources, um, especially on the internet, especially when you're looking at information for scholarly purposes. Um, Wikipedia isn't really, really a great source. Some people would disagree. Some professors would disagree with me. But there is opportunity for Wikipedia to be uh, to be edited and to be sort of taken over. Um, so, you know, be suspicious of uh, of Wikipedia, um, you know, scholarly journal articles. That's where, you know, you're going to be doing OK. I'm talking about articles you might find on JSTOR. That was what we used. And I see it's still still being used. That's what I used in university. So any kind of those research systems that are vetted by your school, that's where you're going to want to take your sources from. Not Wikipedia, not Rebel News, or even, you know, I mean, Google News, you can, you can maybe feel a little more uh, confident with the sources. But just in general, just, you know, Try not to fall prey to sensationalism or anything that you see online. And that's just kind of a general life tech tip, uh, more so than related to school. But that being said, school is a stressful time. We don't need to stress ourselves more um, enveloping ourselves in narratives that may or may not be real. So I'd just be cautious of that. Um, also, as you're working um, and you're you're perhaps in now in the university setting uh, or you're a high school student doing work in public, um, public Wi-Fi is very unsecured. So you've got to be very careful about that. It makes it really easy for hackers to get into your system when you're on unsecured public Wi-Fi. I would never do any kind of banking there. I would be reluctant to really log into anything too secure because you might lose that security. Um, the Really the only ways to get around that are one, don't use public Wi-Fi. Um, if you're in a coffee shop and you need to use Wi-Fi, put your phone on tethering mode and use that. That's one option. Or two, make sure that you buy a VPN, virtual proxy network. And um, those are really easy to use. They do cost some money, but that um, technology 
is just a, be a best practice for connecting to the internet in general um, because it will obscure your, um, your connection details and make it incredibly hard, if not impossible, um, to be hacked and for your information to be, uh, to be found. Uh, I personally use VPNs and I find they make me feel a lot more secure when I'm browsing online. And it always makes me smile when I get the ad down at the bottom of my webpage saying, hey, we know you're in New Jersey. If you want to protect your Wi-Fi, uh, download this app. And, you know, I kind of laugh because I'm not in New Jersey. I'm in New Brunswick, Canada, but they don't know that. And that's the only way that they won't know that. So a VPN is definitely something to consider, especially if you're going to be using um, public Wi-Fi a lot. Um, I guess the last thing I'd say would be just make sure to take reasonable breaks from technology. Um, don't be too plugged in all the time. We've got to make time for our friends and family. Face-to-face -face time is important. Um, we want to make sure that we're still moving around, getting enough exercise. We have non-technology related hobbies and uh, it's, it's really important to strike that balance, especially if you're using technology to, you know, to help you to that degree. If you're using it as assistive technology and you're depending on it, uh, you know, and you're interacting with it that much, I'd say it's especially important to just unplug from time to time, step outside, you know, step in the grass if you, if you can, and just, you know, don't get too lost in the digital world. It is easy to do, and uh, it can be, it can be attractive uh, to just get lost in that world. But we gotta, we gotta stay balanced. And I think that uh, when you're in university and high school and you're taking on some more difficult subject matter, that balance is extra important. So those were some of the main tech tips I wanted to sort of touch on today. We've already talked about uh, some of our back to school apps and maybe next time we'll get into some more tips and tricks for navigating the wild world of the internet. But I think that's all today. And I appreciate you tuning in and tune in next time where we will hopefully have some additional voices on the podcast as well. Unfortunately, we had some difficulty with our recording technology today. Who would have thought? Happens to everyone. So, uh, have a great start to your 2023 school year. And again, don't hesitate to reach out to us if you have any questions or comments.